Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And we have with us today Ryan Martin from Deus and Robert and Leopold, Coupley Metal. There's more. There's a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> York Factory Complaint. York Factory Complaint. Yeah. Well, hello. Other stuff. Hi. Hi, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> we, are on. we are super psyched. We are super psyched to have you on. Uh, we're super psyched because you picked a a record and a, and a project that was has certainly been on the list since since uh, you know we we expanded into the entire world of of noise and experimental, but something we haven't gotten around to yet. And I think we were kind of waiting for somebody, the right person, I think, to pick exactly to pick this project. That was definitely the case. Yeah, and I think it. We, I think it happened. I will agree. We had a moment for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. We had, we we. Let's just say the four of us just shared some a pretty intense hour together. <laughs> that was that was real quality time, and that's yes. actually the first time I've ever listened to anything. Runes of Stern and Girlstock in a collective. It's usually a solo activity. Right. I would and imagine. Yeah. Yes. And so you got to find the right. Yeah. In a dark room crying. Yeah. Or just, yeah, like after a rough therapy visit or something. <laughs> so um, it was nice to share it with all of you. Well, it was it was an experience. We will dive into that in a minute. But of course, we want to do a little recent listening and see what everyone's been been listening to. Gray. Oh, yeah. What have you been listening to? Shucks, I should have a list, and I sometimes I forget to write it. But uh, I can, I can name a couple things. I got the first uh, book of wisdom cassette on nature and art. Gave that a, a spin the other morning. Nice, uh, you know, hit the hit the nineties dead ambient zone. Sort of a if you like Fatal Impact, you probably know. I'm like that's your zone. You probably man. know book of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I got a Ron Morelli record from last year, Man Walks the Earth, which was like super weird synth drone exploration. It's there's no there's nothing rhythmic on it. Not I mean, I, I talked about uh, a gathering together, which there's also not really much rhythmic stuff on. But this is like. I don't know, this is like a, a 70s synth <laughs> record or something. It's really awesome. Ron um, rules. Yeah, uh, just I'm just like now kind of digging into more of this stuff because I always sort of thought it was a lot of techno or like at least more in that realm of like what lies puts out and it's so much more. His stuff is so weird <laughs> and I really like it. So I'm just digging in and I picked up a copy of the uh, Telefreak S core result of a mail art uh, CDR version, which was uh, reissued in like 2007. Uh, it was originally from 1992 and it's just mail collab between Telefreak and S core. And that's Ooh. really good. We got to do a Telefreak episode. Yeah, absolutely. At some point. I'm in. Cool. What about, uh, what about you, Connelly? Uh, well, Connelly's. Con Connelly's. Yeah. And we have been, um, yeah, we did together listening. Yes. Yes. A lot of together listening. Uh, uh, Black Editions just did a couple new uh, PSF reissues, uh, particularly great, the White Heaven Out album, uh, first time ever on LP. It is so good. Mm -hmm. We just kept flipping it yep. the other day. Over and over. So and good. it's got these great, like, minimal dark, uh, you know, jams. It's got these full... Uh, blown out, but it's still, it's like, it's kind of, it's not blown out like high rise or it is. It's actually like, it's somewhat reined in and in kind of a cool, interesting way. The tension is really, I think a big part of that album. And then they also did uh, a kind of a later one from the mid two thousands, this go Harano. And it's like 
piano. It's incredibly minimal. Uh, definitely brings to mind like music for airports, but like even more, more like more like not lo-fi, but it feels like it's, he's just in a room recording it, hit record and did it. Actually, yeah, a little like, bit almost reminds me a little bit of the album we did today. Yeah, it's like personal, atmospheric, yes. something you want to listen to at night with a candle, something to read with. Yeah, it's like co- all of those. Things. Really, Corridor of Daylight yeah. is the name of that album. Fantastic records. Um, also recommended by uh, Mr. Holger over here, uh, the McGovernerbone. It's like one of my disc. new favorites. I oh, love yeah. it so much. Yes. Everyone's been talking about McGovernerbone. Well, because there was a new, oh, okay. there's a new double CD that just came out that's mm-hmm. collect. Well, it's like a weird, confusing. It co- <laughs> yes. It's it's an unreleased tape, ver- songs off things that came out, but possibly different versions. And then everything's been renamed. For uh, this release. Yeah. And just on the cover alone, I was like, I want to listen to this. Yeah, the cover is like, amazing. They're wearing like amazing, like animal, strange masks, very like Wicker Man style pagan masks. It's called. Yeah. Uh, Anthropological field recordings for the dispossessed, and it's it's like it's a, a great title. It's scene. a great title, and it's a lot. Actually, also reminds of this Runzelstern and Gurglestock. Uh, a lot of hooting and hollering, and yes. yelling, <laughs> and uh, some bells and some thuds and some branches, and I don't know some maybe some bone horn, different kind of trumpet than uh, yeah. mass trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> so but, it's it's reissued stuff. Right? Well, mm-hmm. again, it's confusing okay. because there was a tape called For the Raven. Mm-hmm. That didn't come out, and it's. I think there's bootlegs of it. That entire thing is on this double disc. Again, not clear as to where it is in the double disc. And then there's tracks off the to, first, the LP Legia Horn mm-hmm. and the tape. Yeah, but then I think there's also unreleased stuff. And, but again, there's no. It's it's not clear as to what is what. Right. So if you don't, I don't have the you know original, so I can't really gauge it. But like you said. It's it's possible that some of them are different versions too, so it's just very confusing. But it is old, yes. It's not like a new recording. It's it from sounds the, great. So. It's from the eighties, and it's highly recommended. Anomalous Records has it. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's exactly that's where we ordered it from. Uh, we'll obviously have a link up for it, but it's it's a it's a beastly gathering. Yes, it it is a you know what <laughs> yeah. a beastly gathering, and then. One other thing we've been listening to, uh, we were not paid to do this advertisement, but the Serration CD on oh, Kendritic yeah. Sound. The uh, checks in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the infin- <laughs> Remind me of the title. To- the Re- open mouth of infinite destruction. It is. It, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a fan. I mean, look, you want that zone? Put this CD on. It's <laughs> in That's that zone. zone. It sounds yeah. great. Uh, hopefully, get a chance to see them out here at some point. Um, I'll be it, seeing them in Chicago yeah, in uh, April. I'm yeah, excited. so but that's that's a great CD a, a EP length, I guess. Yeah, it's like twenty three minutes. They're working on something longer for me right now. But I actually, I thought I thought it was kind of a perfect length, digestible, especially like I mean, I, I've I've they have a couple of tapes out, and I've che- I've I've checked those. Everything's but, on the shorter. Everything's on the yes, twenty minute side. I think this CD is a really good representation of them. I think it's like their best thing yet, kind of thing. You know, they, I think they really found. Uh, uh, what they're doing, so I just get it all. So yeah, <laughs> I'm a big Serration fan. So. Yeah, well, they so that that has been our our main. Re- of course, a lot of the stuff. And of course, of we were stuff, you know. we've been um listening, actually watching a lot of video of 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 the project we're about to discuss, as well as the related world of this project. So that's that's kind of also been. One you can't have one without the other to me with, I, with this. I which, agree. And by that, yeah. uh, well, 
we should ask Ryan what he's been listening to yeah, since he picked this god awful record. And <laughs> <laughs> any anything else aside from related to this you've been listening to recently? I mean, I've been listening to a lot of Schinflucker related material because I've been writing a book about the group and the people individually and how they're all connected and everything. So I've been listening to a lot of Dave Phillips lately um, and going back and realizing there's like a lot of, I've, I was really only familiar with Dave Phillips recent stuff and going back and I was like, wow, I missed a lot of gaps with his catalog. So I've been checking a bunch of those out. And then there was this record on Chimflut group that I never heard or whatever. I picked it up and I've been listening to it nonstop is this guy insect, but it's spelled with a Z incredible i do this, not know that. Never, i don't uh, even know where the z would be yeah yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a k too oh, uh, awesome. but um i can think of where the k did uh did uh one lp for Fluck was on some of those those psychic rally radio shows that they did mm-hmm. and um was friends with joke and I, he's still around um but I think his music went off in some other direction and he wasn't very prolific per se, but did two things that were like in the Schimpfluck canon. And so I've been trying to find those kind of things. And uh, I've been obsessed with Rudolph's first record, the washer brains. Have you ever heard, I've never heard that one? Oh, it is amazing. Um, so I, I've been jamming on those. Is there a performance that accompanies it? Uh, no, not the really. No, the Wash Your Brains one, but it did come with uh, a tape that's covered in sawdust. Like comes in a bag of sawdust oh, and stuff. So, so it's covered. Okay, uh, good, good. <laughs> yeah, you'll sleep easy too. There had the, to be the, something yeah. else. The performance is personal at home. When you, yeah, you, you know the sawdust. You have to clean up the sawdust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's you get out the broom and everything. So, um, yeah, mainly it's been those. Just because I've been sitting, you know, I kind of have them on while I'm working and stuff. And then I was delved back into this record um, coming here. And then, um, yeah, it's like, uh, actually, I've been listening to, because you recommended it, the She Wrote in a Stimulants. Oh, I went and ordered it. It's It's so so good. I ordered it after I listened (laughs) to the episode with Lol. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know that. No. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, and it's just like so good. Yeah, random picture disc. And (laughs) you're just like, okay. And I threw it on. I'm like, God damn, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that Obe does, I'm just like, it's amazing. Yeah, every time. And and it's different. And it's just, yeah, that record. Yeah, that. I'm so glad. Yeah, that's that's easily one of our favorite discoveries of the past. I love that you said you listened to Rundlestern Girls stuck on the um, subway yeah which it's is commuting just... music <laughs> it's... i listen to a lot of this stuff while i'm commuting because in in new york where i live that's kind of your alone time and yeah. everyone's got headphones on so that's when you read because you're commuting like an hour each mm-hmm. way and you know and, and you have it in headphones i realized i never really did a deep dive on headphones with this record and i was picking up all this bizarre you know like that I was pointing out yeah. earlier oh, yeah. and i was just like geez, I guess I never really fully paid attention. Like I've always taken the record in or had it on or, you know, while I'm cooking or something. And, uh, <laughs> um, probably not the right place for it. And um, I feel like they yeah. would be, I feel like Rudolph would f- would be happy to hear that you cook. Yeah. I feel like cooking, I, but I do feel like that's a little dangerous. Maybe that's a little irresponsible because if you get startled, <laughs> you can get really injured. You could yeah. get spooked by this record. Yeah, you don't oh. want to get spooked. And this record, obviously, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, oh. look, I assume you're all read the title of the episode, but... 
But to do a formal introduction, the record we are discussing is Runzel Stern and Gurglestock Asshole Snail Dilemma on Talknet Aleph from 2000. 20 year anniversary. This is the 20 year yeah. anniversary. Happy birthday. And there's a slash between asshole and snail so that you don't think that the snail's an asshole. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. It's not an asshole snail. Snail's a good person. Yeah. I actually had a theory during the first uh, maybe 16 minutes, the first piece on this, that. Uh, that Iber is the asshole and the shrieking woman is the snail. And Dilemma. he's dragging her around. Because that's what it sounds like. It's really. Whoa. <laughs> Ooh, I like <laughs> that. you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, random thought while listening to it. And this uh, this record, it's a 153 and four, minute 44 second piece or track that is broken up into multiple pieces, which are uh, pretty much all taken from. Uh, Actions which may or may not have been in front of an audience, but were, you know, things performed live. So you hear the room, you hear the feet shuffling around, you hear people cough, you hear things in the background, um, you hear the natural reverb on these sounds. And these sounds, uh, this is a just a, a wallop of a record. This is a true noise record in that it is uncomfortable sound. It's it, difficult. It's a very difficult record. It's it's. Alienating. I think. I think actually, while we're listening to it, yeah. Gray, you said this is harsh. You said this is like a. Di- oh, you said a, this is a different kind of harsh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and harsh I think acoustic. So, yeah, and I and I think they. You know, that's. I would say that you know that would be part of the uh, goal with something like this. You know, Rudolph would always would talk about in interviews that they're. You know, it's it's a purging. It's abreactive actionistic. That's those are the words he used, right? And what what is abreactive, Tara? Abreactive is expression and release of previously repressed emotion and achieved through reliving the cause. So like um, a cathartic. Okay. I guess. I mean, I think that's I think this record can absolutely, you know, fit into that category. It's funny. uh, I had another random thought while listening to this was that this would. uh, it's because it's from 2000, but I was thinking, like, if Relapse were to have known about Runzel Stern and Gurgle Stock, would, would they have? Because this is, you know, the, the stickers were like extreme, uneasy listening, yeah. prepare to have your ears ripped off, whatever. And this this record is like one of the most extreme and uncomfortable things that I've heard. Like, this is. Listen to a lot of noise, but this is like this is a, n- a next level. Of I, at one point, sound. I wrote the word "helpless." I was like, "I feel helpless." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if it would have been uh, something they would have even tried to market to like a a metal audience looking for the next thing because it's so off putting. Well, I th- I think the the whole Mersbau thing and everything they did with like release that could translate well to metal crowds, like people into death metal and everything mm-hmm. like that, because so they're already. They're already familiar with these like kind of really sustained punishing sort of high like high brutal volume blasting, yeah. brutal, yeah. brutal blasting sounds. This is not that, you know. No, no, um, no. I find it and you know, I I guess you know, I'm gonna get quoted on this one. I thought it was a quite of a, a romantic record. Um, but in a not personally, but like in the in the bigger picture, because it is this kind of union therapy cathartic purging um and going through the motions mm-hmm. of i think it's a much more human record than like you know pulse demon or something like that there's nothing human about pulse demon yeah absolutely this is intimate yeah i can relate to this record yeah. pulse demon i enjoy i love it but it is uh, a bit of a marathon thing you know this is like 
I can relate to this and it's on also a very a human level. Different kind of marathon. Yeah, yeah, a very different kind of marathon. The first kind of piece is it, 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 there is something that is. I think you, one of the things you kind of said that this is almost their hit record, and I and I do say they. Rosalind Gergoslak is Rudolph. It is, it is Rudolph. Yeah, but but there's part of the Shimflut group cast sometimes joins him in some of these performances. But but Rudolph mixed and and edit, you know he put this record together. So sometimes I do say they, and I will probably say continue to say they, but it is Rudolph. Um, and so the, the, but you were kind of saying this is the Runs of Stone and Gergostock hit album. Yeah. And it, I know what you mean because when I think of Runs of Stone and Gergostock, this is the album. I think of partly because of this album cover. The yeah. album cover yeah. is and, and so, they, yeah. so the album cover, as you, as is, well, it's up to debate as to exactly what. <laughs> This I have is. a case for it though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tara actually, yeah. <laughs> so what so what do you what do you, okay, you I, I, I mean let's we just were, go for we it? We were debating yeah. as to whether or not it's it's a ball sack with chunks of hair pressed into it. But the reason that I think it might be uh, because there are hairs growing out of it. Like it's not mistakable. Like those hairs are coming out of the skin. So it has to be part of the skin that would grow small random hairs of a pubic nature. So I don't know many other parts of the body that would have that type of skin and that type of hair. And that's a case for it to be a, a yeah, scrotum? That's yes. a case for okay. this to be a, a scrotum with extra tufts of hair stuffed into it. Now, if you can think of another part of uh, a, a person, but maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's an animal. Can I see that really quick? <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> uh, must investigate. And then in addition to the the image on the cover, it the, every CD comes with hair. There's hair stuck hair. under the uh, CD tray, uh, taped in. So there's hair sticking out of it. And I remember the first time that this CD was handed to me <laughs> and while listening to it uh, at loud volume. And it was a very uncomfortable moment just because it's got hair sticking out of yeah, it. Yeah, you think about it a lot. Disgusting. Okay. Okay. What do you think? I think I think I'm going to go with you on this because of the placement of the hair growing out of the skin. I don't think yeah. that's like the back of someone's head or something. Yeah, like yeah. At first, their I thought maybe you know it maybe was their like, arm or, or elbow. elbow. Yeah. yeah, I thought knee, elbow. But the way that the hair, maybe knee, I guess if you're a super weirdly hairy person, but it's they. It's, it's, it could be yeah. It could be like someone's like part of their back or something but it's if, it's it's very like re that retractile skin that, that mm -hmm. wrinkles up yeah it's i i do I've think I, i've seen them uh i do think <laughs> i heard about them yeah all right well we'll chalk it up to there's a scrotum on the cover <laughs> or a scrotum like well, image now part of now, <laughs> <A scrotal. laughs> the part of the, the what, what's so great about ryan being here for this episode is yes he kind of mentioned it before but he you are writing a book on mm -hmm. uh, now. Is it just is it on Shimflock? Is is it, it what is the kind of focus? Um, it is about Shimflock, but it is you can't write about Shimflock without writing. It, it started as writing about Shimflock, and then but Shimflock is this really kind of like started as a label, started as this idea, turned into this other thing. And when I started the book, I it was very like everyone's in their box. Shimflux mm -hmm. here, Rudolph's here, jokes, you know, Dave's here. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized that that is the worst way to go about trying to understand what they're doing and what's going on with all of this, that it all is like 
a lot of lines get blurred as 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 with this record like dave right. phillips pops into it and then these other people and you're like well what is it you right know? right M- masana's on on part of it yeah and so i started writing about shimfluck and then realized that well the whole story is sort of shimfluck and then everyone and shimfluck's just this common ground it's not a it's not fully a group. It wasn't really fully a label. It wasn't really a concept. It was just this common ground that a few people are still coming into, like Alice Kemp just right. Sort of She's joined. relatively new. So who? Yeah. So who are the main people in Shinflug, especially, or at least the kind of what what maybe people would consider the classic era, the, the, you know, well, the nineties era. Well, well, it started in around eighty six, eighty seven, and it started as a label by Rudolph. And the first release was the kind of the Wash Your Brains LP that we were talking about, the Sawdust. And the second release was a compilation where I've still not fully nailed down if half the people are real or it's just Rudolph with another person. He was doing sort of a thing with another person. And because there's these names that only appear on that compilation Mm -hmm. and that's it. So and then people that are real are on it, you know, so. That's when, you know, right off the bat, they're already kind of messing with you of like their identity and who's who. And so Shimflux started as actually a label that wasn't a group involved. It was just Rudolph, you know, putting out his own music. And that's when he sort of met Joke about uh, two years later to this person named Umzwager and who was in a band with Joke and that he introduced them. But before he knew Joke, he knew Mark Zier from G Park. And he started distributing G Park tapes because he found out he lived close by. But he's also like 15 years or something older than them. G Park, <laughs> Mark Zier is oh, much oh. older. He's like oh. in his 60s now. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. He was like at the time, uh, I think Rudolph said he was like around 19. Yeah. And, um, you know, Mark Zier was like in his 30s, like at this point. So and, the, and he just found about him, found out about him when he started being able to go into Zurich from the suburbs and like went to a store and saw that there was someone with an address close by that was making this really difficult music. And so he went and hung out with them. Really. Oh, so it was this wow. older guy. Yeah. So that's, the, that's, that was how G so G park was really sort of came in with Rudolph and then joke. And then Dave came about a couple of years later around 89, 90. And and joke and Rudolph and G Park are all living. You mentioned Zurich; they're all living in Switzerland. That's where that's where Rudolph's from. Originally, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's from outside of Zurich. Yeah. Um, and so and so and was the first the, the first thing was Ronzo Sonnegrogosak. His first record is not is not under Rudolph, right? Is is or is it under Rudolph? Well, the first yeah, the first Ronzo Sonnegrogosak record was kind of a, it was a couple years. It was like about two, I think, about two years after Shimfluck. Oh, okay. Of, he was oh, okay. doing Wash Your Brains, and then there was. You know, R. Eber, you know, all these like mm-hmm. kind of nameplay variants. And then Runelstern sort of popped up about two years afterwards, but it seemed like it was just a continuation of what he was doing, just another name. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to him kind of, at, you know, at length about certain things. And he, you know, I don't, you know, his feelings on the name or what he would have chosen for all these different names and stuff and why he chose them. And it kind of goes back and forth. I don't think Rudolf Stearns and Girlstock started to get its identity sound wise for a few years after. I feel like the early stuff just kind of sounds like wash your brains and like it just seems like one and the same. But when it starts getting here where it starts becoming like a real psychological sort of, you know, 
unloading yeah. um, is I feel like about five, 10 years, a little bit later. I think he started to get into a different place. And I don't know if it's when he moved to Japan or or what, when it started to really take form. Because that was like about 97 or well, so. Well, we had always assumed that Shimpluck was a made up word, but I, I threw it in the translator and it says it's it means gesture curse, yeah. curse gesture. Yeah, and he was going for a sort of fluxus, like mm-hmm. movement flow kind of thing. And um, I don't have my notes in front of me right now, <laughs> but there was other names that he's kind of like, oh, I kind of wish maybe I would have used this if I was... You know, in hindsight, you know, you're going to, but, you know. I think Shimpluck is, is perfect. It's I, incredible. I love it, Just yeah. the way it sounds to an English speaker and also, like, right. the, yeah. the translation is really cool. And then Rundle Stern was wrinkle forehead. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what gurgle stock is. Well, and then, I mean, and again, kind of like you're <laughs> saying, some, some of, especially in earlier interviews, there is a, I'm going to, I'm going to try to use this word and I'm never going to say it right. Ooh. Obs? Nope, not gonna do it. I Obfuscation. Can, I can see. Yep, those are the words. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. I can see it. I can see the word. You know what? I'm just imagining you saying. Uh, it's but of of kind of when answers and and they would you know he would be asked about the name and you know he would say you know it's it's not based on anything comes from nothing. Of course, there is the what is the. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, right? But of course, he says, you know, absolutely yeah, no, not. No, no, you know, but no you just relations. don't necessarily know where. And and I think part of this and part of this album, and actually, especially near the end, you actually hear it on the album. I think with Shimflucked and with Runzelstern and and the related um, artists, there there is a humor in in what oh, they do, absolutely. and I think and I think that goes back to the actionists. There was always this humor that was part of what they were doing. Or at least the absurdity, which we find humorous. Well, and and something that we talk about is I think some of the greatest music makes me feel everything from Mm. a serious introspection to laughter to then kind of scared to like, you know, and so I think, I think we did all of that while listening to this. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, I'm I'm sure you've probably talked to Rudolph and and the rest of the gang about the ties to, or the influence from uh, the actionists. Yeah. I, 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 it did come up. It's sort of the obvious elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Rudolph was really candid. He said he did not, you know, obviously you got while we have the internet and everything now, so something like at Viennese actionism is pretty known thing to an extent. But like to a kid in the seventies in Switzerland, yeah, how accessible is that? And he said, not really, but you know they have state and public TV for the arts and things there, so it's a lot different than it is here, where you not necessarily had to dig for things because things were like kind of on their version of PBS were far more interesting. And so he said when he was about 12 years old, he was home and there was a TV special and he said he can't remember if it was on the actionists themselves or just Herman Nietzsche, but he just remembers the Herman Nietzsche part. But he said he what he remembers most of all was there was a warning beforehand. Like if you have children in the room, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. a like a heads up, you know, yeah. like how they do now. Any and of the actionists could get that warning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so he remembers that. And but he was home alone, like his parents were out shopping or something like that. And he was like. All right. Like, you know, like, wow. like I got to stick around. And yeah. then he, and What's going to happen? Yeah. And he watched it and he was just like, he was a, re- I mean, he still is a very loner kind of personality and a fascinating individual. And 
he was just like, what is this? You know, because at 12 years old, you don't, you know, you encounter things when you're a kid that you don't understand. And it would make sense to you when you're 30 or whatever. But like at that time, you're just seeing something bizarre and you have no concept of what it is, but you know, you like it, you know, and you can relate like you, you got this. And so he said, so not necessarily, but he did see that and he definitely never forgot about it. Right. There's a seed, a some seed was planted. Right. Even the performance style, like these pieces where it might be in front of just an audience of a couple people or, or the action is the, the piece is performed once live and that's it. And it's documented the, the amount of documentation and the sort of, one and done or uh, the presentation of the the performances which might you know might wind up on a cd where we're hearing we're hearing the sounds but like i'm trying to picture what's going on in this this first like 16 minute piece mm-hmm. based on listening to it but someone saw it you pointed out a digital camera sounding like uh, a recorder or a camera yeah. or something it happens a couple times my, so there's my documentation old digital camera it. made that same Exa- sound and yeah. that's why and i thought of it too yeah. mine the one i had 20 years ago you know yeah and you said you noticed it when you listened to it on the headphones on headphones on the train where i'm staring at everyone on the train being like man if only anyone knew what i was listening to right now it's got to be the perfect soundtrack soundtrack everyone's miserable going to work looking at a magazine on their phone Mm -hmm. with headphones in and here i am listening to someone screaming over a violin and i'm like this works (laughs) well yeah and and so so the first kind of 16 minute piece is it's it's strings i mean i believe this is string quartet and 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 ass trumpet i believe that's the that's what this Mm -hmm. section is if i'm not mistaken um, but yeah, so it's, it is kind of the string quartet and it is like this really kind of beautiful, it, it's, I mean, it's like, yeah. it could be a soundtrack to like, uh, you know, some, some, uh, Hollywood, you know, uh, was it the Revenant or something you could have right. like this, right. this like really nice string music behind some sort of somber tale of, a All someone in, alone in the wilderness or trapped mm-hmm. in a cave well, it or makes something. You comfortable it's very first. like in yeah. a minor key, you yes. know, it's just like really but mm-hmm. stunning. But before yeah. that, we start with like a couple, uh, grunts and whispers oh, yeah, and, yeah. and then sort of the, the setting up and the warming up of the quartet and, it's it then turns into uh, a fight, an argument, uh, a physical altercation uh, of some sort in the same room that the quartet is playing. And so you hear you think you think it's an argument. Uh, there's there's crying Ooh. and shrieking. I actually and, didn't get argue. I will say yeah. I did not get an argument. Really? Yeah. yeah, no, no. Huh? Yeah, it's a Rorschach test here. <laughs> well, yeah. but again, that's hey, <laughs> gotta play my cards closer to the chest. No, but, that, but that's a. No. <laughs> Wow. So but that good. is, but that, but again, that's the that's a that's yeah, the beautiful thing about this album. Like mom and dad, I don't know what. <laughs> I thought it was more of like a domination thing. I uh, I mean certainly that as well, but I for some reason I I really felt, and maybe it's because it makes me so uncomfortable that it was that it was an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the like sort of humiliation domination thing because he does scream at that one point. Do you think this is a joke? Like, do you what's wrong with mm-hmm. you? Never you never said that joke? in an argument before. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think maybe. <laughs> I remember uh, you just leave. <laughs> I, I was in an argument once, and I just started laughing because I thought the argument the other person was was uh, 
they'd sort of destroyed something of mine and blamed yeah. me for it. And I, I remember just laughing at them and not realizing that we were in an argument. So <laughs> right. like, this is really funny. Yeah. Maybe this is all dumb. Ma- yeah. May- maybe that's going on. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, how can you even think you're right? Now? Yeah. Um, and never letting it get to me in arguments. This so. is very funny. Maybe it is like a Rorschach test. Cause I thought it was more like a domination experiment, but I, I did feel that the, the female entity was a, willing participant and was seeking the the mourn the mourning or whatever she's doing the anguish seeking anguish you know part of it could be because we're listening to this in my house and we had my front door open (laughs) for all my neighbors to hear this at uh, quite a loud volume Uh, at one point i had to turn it down because it was so punishingly like the loudest we've probably ever played anything in here and you shut the door I did get up to I shut the door. I did see a guy after. walking by, and I was wondering if he was going to come up because he stopped kind of on the sidewalk and looked up. Yeah, I mean, there's always strange music coming out of <laughs> yeah. here, but this one was, I, that, and that's why I was like, maybe I was uh, concerned that my neighbors are going to think Call that the there's an argument going yeah. on in my yeah. house because of the way this sounds, not not uh, some sort of BDSM or other humiliation games. But well, the, well, I was going to say the thing that I found about the sound that I was experiencing, or the as they call it, the psychoactive acoustics. Uh, it made me want to see what was happening. It made me want to see the performance because it lacks so much context that you don't know how to feel about it. Like, you're just like, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if this is uh, real violence or synthesized violence, or I don't know if this is a, a role playing situation. I don't know if it's sexy. I don't know. I can't tell. But I think, but I think that's, I think that's what is great about listening to this because you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And because we can all come up with different uh, feelings about what we're hearing. I mean, for me, it was, I, I think closer to Taryn Ryan feeling what, what they were feeling, but I was kind of going more with like almost like an exercising of of these feelings that maybe yeah. the, that the woman is feeling and 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 the the man uh, who I assume well I assume was Rudolph uh, could also be joke or, I mean sorry uh, uh, Dave but I assume it was Rudolph um, was was kind of pulling this out of her and was pulling these cries and these tears and these screams out of her and that's kind of what i was what i was at least seeing in my mind and and the way you the way i was seeing everything on this album is almost the way you see things in a dream and i think we've kind of discussed this thing before where it's like you like in a dream like you see it like out of the corner of your eye kind of thing and then when you turn to look at it it's gone (laughs) or it's in the or it like just main stays in the corner of your eye like when you keep turning that's kind of what i was seeing where it's like i could almost see it but when I turned to try to see it, I didn't see it. You Sophisticated. Know? Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, think we I guess say in Vigal as well. I th- I saw uh, seeing it as an argument. I sort of saw it as a or a struggle, uh, and I saw that happening in this room. Like you commented that you can sort of hear them brush into one of the players, mm-hmm. and they get interrupted and then try. And I'm I'm picturing this string quartet uh, being provided with the music they're going to play and being told whatever happens, don't interfere. And then this just happening in the room while they're playing, like maybe they, you know, I, I feel like you could probably rent a string quartet if you're going to propose to your significant other or something. If you know what I mean, if you if you're whatever, have some money and want to do something crazy. You're so romantic. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like maybe they did. Maybe they rented classy. a string Will quartet. You be my Valentine. It's very, and then, yeah, it's very and classy. They're like, okay, you're gonna come over. You're gonna come here. You're gonna play these pieces, and whatever happens, don't don't interfere. And so I'm sort of seeing this, them as these like paid participants of, uh, 
this crazy scene playing out and they're getting they're getting bumped into and they're just trying to focus on playing their parts while this wailing struggle of whatever sort is going on well it is framed as almost like a play when you look at the liner notes because she the woman screaming is credited not as a performer but as an actress yes i noticed and all under and it says all under the direction of rudolph eber so this was planned this, you know, I wouldn't say it's staged, but it's planned and it was acted out like well, mm-hmm. something was happened. There, and that's part know? of what, when I was talking about the actionist and the, their performance styles is sort of the same kind of thing here where like a performance can happen for no one or for one person. Mm-hmm. And so this was uh, performed for and involving all of its participants. And that's it. It feels like or whoever was documenting. Yeah. The audience really is an afterthought, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. because. It the whole point of these actions, which goes back to, you know, the Viennese actionism and stuff like that, you know, is the point of it happening. Yeah. It's the that that is the work. The audience is just, hey, if you're there, you're there. You're not you're not. That's not the point. You know, like, who cares? It's the action. And that's why it is an action. You know, so I believe that Rudolph is obviously as he got older, very influenced by these kind of things when he was able to access that information. Mm-hmm. Right. But. Did he have access to it early on in bits and pieces? What do you, you know, and you can see as he matures through his work and through all their work. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I I actually think like we were, we were actually listening to um, something uh, from last year. Those uh, that project, that three CD project he did last year. Those extreme kind of ritual stuff. Oh man. Some of the, I think it's some of his best stuff. And it's it's like, and it's, Last year, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I think that's also you know great artists as they continue on. Sometimes the the, the more yeah, you kind of the more they've they've experienced, the more they perform, the more they kind of understand their own work. It just mm-hmm. increases the and, increases and just their, yeah, and developing the the thoughts and and the method that you're portraying mm-hmm. those thoughts and just where they're at in life, you know, yeah, totally. and that, that informs the work massively. So in in an interview I read. There was, and I don't know where he's at now, but there was a time when Rudolph lived in the mountains in Japan. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, he was. He's, I mean, he still lives in Japan. He lives in Osaka, but okay. he was, you know, I'd asked him because there's periods of time where I wouldn't say he disappears, but you definitely sense that he's off somewhere. Right. And he said he was working as a tobacco farmer and like a goat farmer. Yes. In rural yeah, he did Japan. farming. Well, that, yeah. that, that, I read, yeah. Things. yeah, I read that. I so, think, I think that's pretty fascinating it is he's he's an extreme per- all of them i should say everyone in oh, for sure for sure that's involved in it that kind of cast characters has drastically different personalities like drastically well, and well, Chimflunk is where they all come together and i but i think that's awesome because even in in i can't remember there's a couple interviews i read one um done by andy ortman of panicsville one done by howard mm-hmm. stelter of intransitive and 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 of Howard Seltzer, mm-hmm. but um he they discuss like the fact that David Phillips is a very hardcore vegan mm-hmm. you know a lot of his performance especially when we all saw him in yeah. kind of the mid two thousands he was doing very you know it was very vegan animal rights centric whereas Rudolph basically is like I only eat meat and but the fact that they're basically like you think of them working together they somehow make that work but again I think that just goes to show their just I don't know. They just have their individual paths. And they respect each other's individual paths, and then they meet together in this. There is this the common group. guy, and Dave and Dave had mentioned that to me that there is this the Schimpfluck common ground, but that left to their own devices, they're just not a 
a unit, you know, and Shinflick was never really was a unit like you know how mm-hmm. like there's these like collectives i would never yeah. refer to it as a collective because a collective is pulling in everyone to share this thing it's not it nothing is shared it's just common ground and collaborative and then you leave and then like like joke or dave probably right. wouldn't go do what rudolph right. chose to do in life and Rudolph definitely would not choose the path that Joke took, or what. what They're not Alice all living on the same farm, raising no, goats. No, no, like I think, I think making the slightest. My, trying to the last, yeah. like I think Joke. I think one of the last conversations Joke and I had was like a, a lot about the cramps. Yeah. I can't imagine Rudolph ever <laughs> listening to the cramps or knowing no. anything about the cramps. But but I mean, like, but you know what I mean. I love that. I love that they're all these these true individuals. And then there's this meeting ground. Yeah. That and beautiful. that they all kind of pulled together at some point yeah. and then drift off. And then that it still sort of loosely holds together over the years. But yeah, like joke is um, he came from like a punk and sort of hardcore background. He's in a band called Jay Walker and Rudolph didn't meet him really through that. He met him through this other guy that was making oscillators. And so Rudolph came from this industrial background. I asked him, you know, you, you had a show psychic rally. Where did that came from? He's like, well, I was influenced by psychic TV and throbbing gristle ended up being my favorite band. If you were to ask joke, what was his favorite band growing up? It probably would be the cramps or something mm-hmm. like that. But like they just came from, and Dave Phillips came from a, uh, napalm death like background he right. was huge into that stuff fear of god of yeah course, so. and it was like a whole metal background but you know in all these subcultures there is this undercurrent that like pulls people together and stuff like that so but yeah rudolph when i when he was telling me where because i asked him i go how'd you end up in japan mm-hmm. because that's not like moving from switzerland to france yeah, you know no. what i mean this is like a drastically different culture language everything on the other side of the planet how did you end up there in 97? And he was just like, I was on tour here and I just stayed. Wow. wow. Which is like, okay, you don't need to tell me anymore. I get it. <laughs> like, I, you know, you don't need to tell me a story about like, well, I met someone, you know, mm-hmm. no, I was on tour and I stayed and this is where I am. And so when he ends up floating around from Tokyo to Osaka, you know, wherever, and then he ends up on a goat farm drying tobacco or whatever. Well, that makes sense. But if joke was to do it, wouldn't really make yeah. sense because no. he just wouldn't like that's why would he do that you know but <laughs> and when you ever you ask Dave Phillips about what Rudolph was doing back then you know like how did you meet him and stuff he's like well he kind of came in to sell records at Rec Rec and was love at first sight you know oh wow like, <laughs> I connect with this person he is so Rudolph is an individual unit like he is a sole unit and we get glimpses into that world, thankfully. And this was a glimpse into a lot of different pieces of his world and people that have crossed those paths. If you're, you know, Oh yeah. For better or worse. Yeah. This next piece on here, uh, sort of after the wailing, screaming, uh, I don't know, romantic BDSM argument. that's going on. Whatever. <laughs> I think we, you we frame mix it. all of our feelings right. about it together. Oh, I, think right. it. I think you got it. Um, you, that, that sort of stops and you're left with, uh, I don't know, burp sounds and tuba. <laughs> yeah, the horn thing. Yeah, yeah, and, you and know, lots of silence between it. Well, you know, it's funny because I should have mentioned this in the what we've been listening to lately because I've been on a huge Jack Goldstein kick lately, and you know, like the murder record, and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm sure he none of them had any access to this because we barely have access to it today, right. but. 
you know, that kind of, um, and I don't mean it in the cut-up method of the Burroughs, Brian Geisen cut-up method. I mean in the Hollywood cut-up method, like, you know, displacing the sounds to be yeah. just so... This Drastic. is very Looney Tunes to me. I it is very Looney notes. Tunes, yeah. the MGM thing. And so, like, you know, Jack Goldstein, like the German Shepherd record of just the German Shepherds. from, And it was all taken from film. You know, it's not like he was recording that. This was just he worked as a sound editor at, in Hollywood because he was from here, you know, and yeah. just he was in Hollywood. So using these source materials in a really bizarre way. Use the things that you have access to. Yeah. And the horn thing, though, he had told me because I, I noticed the horn pops up all over the place in Rundlester and Girdlestock and Rudolph Eber. And this specific sound? Not not this horn, but car horns, especially. If you go mm-hmm. back and listen, you're going to hear a ton of car horns. And then it translates over into trumpets and tuba kind of horns. And I was like, I happened to just sort of mention it randomly. We're talking, doing an interview one time. And he goes, oh, there's a reason for that. When I was a kid, when I was like eight years old, my mom gave me a record that was to teach kids about traffic. So first off, who the hell makes a record to teach kids (laughs) about traffic? And how do you even do that? And and also like, why? Like they can't drive. Like, you know, yeah. And I I could see it being useful for the blind for the sounds of traffic and I guess. Like I don't know. Uh, and of course in a very Rudolph way he loved it like it was his favorite <laughs> record and it was just car horn noises and he got obsessed with car horn noises because of this record to the point where he's like I want to see if I can try and find it he goes but it was for wow. kids it was for kids in Switzerland to teach them about traffic and he goes it was like instructional and he goes I just listened to it over and over again and he's like I just got obsessed with it you know and so i'm like i want a copy of this or just i something you yeah know? tell it's me just, you found it no not yet oh, uh, oh, the search man. is on though and um <laughs> and so the the car horn pops up and then i also kind of thought about it and i was like wow we can listen to as much extreme noise music as we want and find any kind of enjoyment but there's one thing i think we can all mutually agree on is that we all hate being in traffic and car horn noises in traffic of everyone honking (laughs) is zero pleasure like that is truly like turn it off i don't care i I, i'll listen to pulse demon at (laughs) the loudest volume possible this is not acceptable it transitions into this well yeah and then so he's just like yeah who wants to hear that I love wow. it though. Like, which is like, of course you do. That yeah. totally, that's incredible. Can yeah. I tell you something weird? I, I don't mean to derail, but my brother memorized the Trivial Pursuit set as a child, and I'm the one who had to quiz him on it. And I remember one of the Trivial Pursuit questions was um, to what key are most car horns tuned? Whoa. And it's the key of F. Oh, wow. I don't know Fun why that stuck in my brain. Uh, I don't know if that's still true. Might but... quote you on that yeah, as well. Yeah, Google Sack in the key of F. <laughs> <laughs> but but this is yeah so this there's definitely like this part there is almost kind of burping sounds right that is this it sounds part? like a burp in a in a, or a, in a tube like a like a sad trombone or like a yeah. like a but it's they're they're cut they're snippets yeah and there's lots of silence between it and and this is this is where I was certainly feeling the there you know the uncomfortable laughter the and because there's so much silence silence can be the most uncomfortable noise. And especially when you're with, like like you said, we're with four people. There's a strange feeling when we're all 
listening to this together and then there's these silences and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but then other times I think we gave into the silence and like, let's just go with it. But then there's other times it was kind of like, Oh, you gotta say something. Yeah. 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 You feel compelled to fill it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. You You really should agree. But I think we all at one point certainly did because of that. But I think that's just a natural, I think that's just our reactions to what Rudolph is, is putting. And I was thinking about Mike does not like to be startled. And I, I don't. And I was just imagining how uncomfortable he was there, at this point because the silence would come in and it would just startle you. You would get comfortable. And then as soon as I mean, you were I, I was just getting into it. Blammo. I was just kind of like, this you were is, in the zone, this is the yeah. zone I'm in. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know, you know, I, this is, I don't listen to this the same way we listen to, you know, and the same way I listen to MB or something. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. something completely different. And, and yeah, I just, I kind of wanted to get into the zone that is kind of the, I don't know the kind of the, what they were providing for us. Yeah, yeah, which which is not comfortable, and it isn't. And yes, some of these blasts and cuts and are truly some of the most painful noise we've listened to in this past like year. When you can, I, I would say that when you feel get there your ears move. Yet, yeah, on the record, it's late. Yeah. It's later. I, well, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm you know what I'm talking about is sort of like the 17 to 20 minute mark when the burp and horn section starts to kind of become rhythmic and there's not as much silence in it. Like it starts out with some space, which will of course return, mm-hmm. but it, it becomes this rhythmic loop or like they're just a little off kilter and it gets a, a little chaotic. And then you get the, I heard maybe playback of the string quartet warming up again or, or something in the background. Some of that is used throughout this and kind of comes in with some of the, uh, the sobbing wailing sounds and that's in the background, but it's nowhere near as loud or as present as it is in the first piece. And you get just little glimpses of it throughout this uh, sort of continue it on and showing sort of the, the cut up nature of the record where like a piece from this can appear later on a piece from this can appear under this other piece. And it all makes sense somehow, although it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, and, and another reason why, I mean, there's many reasons why I love this record and why it's always stuck out amongst all these things, but I do, you know, my personal work is based on personal obsession, and I have an obsession with the sound of orchestras warming up, not the music. Right, the, you the, know? like the, the oh, getting nice. ready. Yeah. yeah, love it. Like I can it, just you sit there for hours. I know what you mean. Yeah. Just different orchestras and how they tune up, and it it will go on for a while. And I'm just it's a it's a thing of mine. And it's it's on the list, and then this record was almost like that, like wow. just a very violent, un, you know, <laughs> flushing of this orchestra, sort of warming up. And I was like, and I was talking about that group, the Rachels, which is very not noise related at all, but you know, this Midwest. I'm not aware of this group when you when you brought them up. So please, they're wonderful. Uh, um, and they were people. I guess people would you say indie rock related? Yeah, because it was like mm-hmm. quarter stick. Like Louisville it was people from, from the 90s. Yeah, it was people from Juno 44 and Rodan and in all these different groups had a classical sort of ensemble to like score plays and stuff. And they did a maybe four or five albums. But there was one called, I believe it was called The Sea and the Bells. And there is, it's really beautiful. Because you know how parts of this gets very like, in a classical yeah. sense, very beautiful. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's why I said romantic, but then it gets scary. And then, so there's a part in that Rachel's record, specifically, I believe it's 
it's somewhere in the middle of the album um, and it gets terrifying where and I would I made the mistake and I never learned my lesson where I'd go to bed listening to it. Right. You right. had a disc changer, yes, yes. you know, like 96 or five or whatever. Yeah. And I would throw it in and it's like, oh, beautiful, lulls you to sleep. And then it just turns into a fucking nightmare, yeah. you know, yeah. or it's just like and you're just like, oh, my God, why did I why did I do this again? Yeah. And so it, that's what happens here yeah. where it's just beautiful. And then it's someone screaming and crying and you're like, I really shouldn't be here right now right now you know and so that's what i it's a weird thing to pop in my head to remind me of is this midwestern kentucky (laughs) classical thing that like showed up here but listen to that record and you see if you see if you can see see if you see what i see all right there's such a strange mix too i mean whatever he was doing and editing i don't know i and i actually wonder what he was using it's funny because it says in the liner notes that uh the first and last performances which i think are the uh string quartet and ass trumpet and the piano and shotgun for piano and shotgun in uh, 1998 in tokyo those uh the the piano and shotgun i don't hear edits in but the uh string quartet or string quintet rather mm-hmm. and ass trumpet is uh, I do there's there's just some edits or chops or something that you hear like it cuts to nothing, no hum, no room noise, no anything. A, a couple times or like there's one weird chop where it it like obviously doesn't line up right, and then there's one chop where it goes to silence for a second or two seconds, but it's like a a digital silence. It's not the like sound of the room you know right do you think it's this wasn't like done through a sampler or anything like that well, it says I mean, that they those two performances appear as uh unaltered documentation at the beginning and end of this record so unaltered would mean not yeah edited not, to me. and that's just how it happened and so i wonder yeah if it was the recording how device was it recorded? messing up or how was oh, yeah. it yeah what was it recorded with uh you know any of that i'm not i'm not sure certainly uh that and mini disc both present in the late 90s so. yeah yeah, and that's the other thing. It's been twenty years, even though this feels like feels like yesterday. But like you know, <laughs> it, it it wasn't like it's been two decades. So a lot has happened since then. So you're just like kind of putting yourself in a yeah. How the hell did they do this? I was around for it, but yeah, I don't know how why, did we do things? Then? I don't know why I thought it was tape. I just assumed it was tape. Yeah. When I, when I hear the the herky jerky, the disjointed sounds, I assume that it's tape. I don't know why. Hmm. Like maybe he like no physically edited yeah, it. Yeah, like snipped. Had you talked to him about this CD at all yet? No, no. Yeah, we so haven't we, gotten there You yet. certainly need to get to what the cover is. Get get us a uh, we love us an hard update. Evidence. Oh, we love an well, well, we'll read the book. insider info. We'll just wait. We'll yeah. read the book. We, for the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have a deadline for the book? Are you? Uh, I'm trying to have a final manuscript done. I was going to try and have it done by December of this year, but it's probably going to be looking because I have to make a couple trips related to it. Yeah. So, um, probably March of next okay. year's when I want to have it but it's also going to be it's going to be sort of an art I guess art book like you know it's a coffee table a lot of pictures and stuff. because describing this yeah yeah we're into it's that. it's a very visual thing um to make sense of all of this it's very visual and I don't think like 10 black and white photos are really going to f- I totally agree. No, but even listening to this, like you can't help but have visions. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's a very visual listen, especially. You know, it it takes the imagination away. And the whole thing is very under documented, and that's what Mm -hmm. I found. Like, and that's what kind of started me on this sort of thing, where it's like I've always been a massive fan and really could relate to all their work and many different ways but it was i was like oh weird shrimpflock doesn't even have a wikipedia page which is great but also like kind of like it's odd yeah it's odd because like really stupid 
you know, useless things have People Wikipedia pages. People who tried out for like America's Got Talent have Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they were yeah. in line, you know, <laughs> yeah. just like, but this doesn't, but yet there's so much documentation in the form of records and music. Well, and it seems like they document, you know, if we hear the digital camera during this or video camera or whatever, there's, they must've been documenting these actions too. I mean, that's one of the things like the actionist did and like, you know, someone mm-hmm. like John Duncan or whatever was doing in the, in the seventies, like they were documenting their performances just to have documentation of, of the action. Yeah. And so I have to assume like that there's, there's he that Rudolph has lots of, well, he said he does have archives and then he's going through them now. But he, I guess he, he said, this has been a good excuse for him to finally go through everything. Really cool. And, oh, okay. um, but he said he did lose a lot moving to Japan, but he's mm-hmm. been, you know, contacting people and, and you know what, you find one, you find five other people. Cause there's just outside of these, members you know which i guess we never really talked about was rudolph eber and then mark zier and then joe glans dave phillips daniel lonebrook showed up sort of in the 90s and then alice kemp recently those are kind of the main the main yeah, people yeah. but then so many people collaborated like we were saying masona was yep. collaborating yeah. with them yeah, they did a couple stuff. couple of, he's credited on the cd and you yeah. can hear his trademark yell yes. at one Absolutely. point for sure yeah uh, and they did the arsluck anna and the masana and rental stern and gurglestock and masana Yeah. And uh, Daniel Lone Rook has a wonderful record store called Rumsty Pumsty in Berlin, if you're ever there. Best record store in the world. And uh, if you want to buy noise and spend some hours digging, I highly recommend you go there. When I was there, there was a uh, Stephen Cornford exhibit in the room next door. In the room next door. With a bunch of like completely rewired tape decks mounted to the wall and uh, like weird swinging (laughs) apparatus playing uh, weird sounds. It was really cool. When I was there, it was uh, Leif Elgren uh, had his cutting crowns there. Oh. So there's all the cutting crowns left over. Very and stuff. cool. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommend Rumpsy Pumpsy if you're uh, <laughs> if you're in Berlin. But, yeah. I, but I do agree that the, the visual, it, it, what I was kind of saying earlier, that there is something great about not having a visual and listening to it and kind of coming with your own visions. But part of that is that we have all seen, uh, whether or not we've seen them live or seen video, we have all seen uh, Runzel Stern or, or Shimflug doing something. So we do have some sort of weird idea of what I they might And for me, the main performance that I always think of when I think of Runs and Stone Girls like is the spastic food performance, which is uh, Dave and Rudolph uh, sitting in front two plates of spaghetti with contact mics in their mouth. There's a violin player behind them and they proceed to smash their heads on the spaghetti and it, they fall and they get up and then they throw the spaghetti. And so that's, I mean, I was it's envisioning, great. I even though this is not a spaghetti performance, I was still picturing a plate of spaghetti in front of me at many times. <laughs> uh, and that is, it, it, that is one of the classic, uh, uh, Noise uh, performance videos that I, I wrote, you gotta you gotta. I wrote down if I could watch the spaghetti right now would be less distressing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys remember when you first heard this record? This would have been probably not too long after it came out. Um, and I want to say I got it at. I, I definitely got it in Michigan. I want to say possibly Encore actually, or okay. possibly Hanson if he was distributing at the time. But it was definitely in, so probably around 2003 or so. So you're not too long after. I think of Dillaway when I think of Runzel I 100% think of Dillaway when I think of Runzel Actually, I got a, Dillaway told me a story. Uh, some, you know, for whatever reason, this kid come up and Dillaway was like, I guess they had a thing where Jehovah Witnesses kept coming to their house, like repeatedly, like it was a regular thing. Right, right. And they were getting obviously annoyed by mm-hmm. it. So they would put this record on. <laughs> 
high volume <laughs> when they saw them coming oh, because there was a couple times where they were I guess trying to leave the house but they were like didn't want to leave when they were like coming up yes. right. so they put this on blasting and then would like go out the back door wow. or something. <laughs> it was something like that and I was like great idea like yeah. wow this is like a perfect deterrent and I was like did they come back and he was like yeah they would come back they kept like, coming that's back they're like, I think I lived huh. in that same house they wanted oh, really? okay, so, okay yeah. so it was the, that house then um, so. but I first came to them from the pure seating Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing this for the first time, uh, seeing Alb play at C Pop, and Devin Brainerd was DJing this over the PA <laughs> between mans. Amazing. And so I heard this in a room with other people for the first time, and and was like, "What the hell am I hearing?" So I went up and asked Devin, and he handed me <laughs> this this and you see that scrotum art jewel case with hair, hair sticking out of it. <laughs> Well, there's just a vi- like violins playing and a woman wailing, and it, I've never forgotten the first time I heard this because it was wow. like it was completely. Uh, I mean, already getting to see like you know Japanese noise in person, and then hearing this, and that must have been like when this came out because that was 2000, I think that album came yeah. to that would show was probably right. When, so this know, must yeah. this this was like I didn't realize it at the time or I hadn't even thought of it until now, but this was a new release when he was playing it <laughs> and showing it to me. <laughs> the, the hair this, puts it over the was top. Was the spaghetti wow. performance thing the first thing you saw? Because I think Dillaway even showed this, it to It us. was with Dillaway. It was when we were visiting probably at Marshall Street. Yeah. And, and, and so was, yes. That would have been your first. Just, oh, okay. Yeah. The house. All right. The spaghetti video is probably your first yeah, we saw too. a lot of fun videos. Yeah, and um, act, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, we watched oh, a lot. Yeah. Of, we watched a lot of Herman Nitsch videos yeah. that, on that trip too. Yeah. So I, kind of fitting. The day tomatoes I went to and spaghetti. look at that house to move in, I brought a uh, pizza, and Dilla was like, "You into Man of War?" And he put on Hell on Earth Volume One. Oh yeah, <laughs> they used to come into my old record store. No they, way. Like, they lived in Auburn, New York. This is now a Man of War podcast. Let's yeah. talk. Oh. <laughs> Forget about this Man of War. And they used to give me free merch. What is Joey doing? Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Things are getting now. You know what? Did I just open up a whole new podcast? So Man of War. I now have to come here all the time and host a Man of War podcast. Yes, you do. Manowar came into the record store every week. Like they they lived by me. Did they ride their motorcycles? You know, I don't know. That's a great question, but it was Joey that always yeah, came course. in oh. yeah, with a fanny pack and sweatpants. And yes. Yes. Thing. Yeah. And Thank he would you. always come in and I would give him my employee discount because he was there every week. <gasps> like he was there all the time. And it's Joey DeMaio. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I'm like, come discount. on. Yeah. So it was wow. him and the the original singer of Anthrax would always come <laughs> Joey in. Ba- Joey Belladonna. Joey Belladonna. Yeah. He lived in the same town, in Auburn, New York. I didn't wow. live in Auburn, but it's close. Right. And so they, he lived there and always buy always bought New Age CDs. Wow. Didn't give uh, him a discount. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Joey DeMaio, yep. 100%. 100%. And he would come in, and then he started bringing me, like, Merch, yeah, but like a posters oh. and uh, like t shirts, but they would yeah. be like XXL, of course, and just like yes. I can't use this, but well, yeah, yeah, but I took it. And well, that's upstate New York size, yeah, yeah. totally, <laughs> Standard. I, it, yeah, it makes sense. So, my entire kitchen at the time was all man of war <gasps> memorabilia because I had no money, and like that's that was my decoration fund right there. Do you have pictures like, of that? Probably, do you, have the somewhere. Do you still have anything? No, no, I don't have oh. anything anymore. I left it. Please, you know. please. But we got a lot of VHS it. tapes because oh. they were doing like home movies, oh. volume nine. I was like, oh, oh nine. No, no, yes. no, no. We, we have a lot of the DVDs of those. And it, you need to get find pictures. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find yes. photos. Yes. Hopefully, there's some photos of that kitchen. Um, I do remember watching one of the because I was like, I should watch one yeah, of, of these course, eventually. Yeah. And I would throw it in. And then they're talking about how they're 
shooting a music video in Ohio, Ohio or something. Yeah. And it's <laughs> not in Ohio. It's in Auburn because I'm like, that's the bank we go to in Auburn. Like, no, it's a no total way. lie. Like, they're not in Ohio. And I, then I was also like, if you're going to, like, lie about where you're shooting location, Ohio, like, you know, like, that's the place, that's <laughs> yeah. the glamorous place. Like, you know, say you're in, like, Miami Beach or something, like, not Ohio. Well, like, and, and you know, it's a great place to that. test the market and, and Check Ohio. it out. I'm in, we're in Dayton. Like, you know, and you're like, and this the, is stupid. And in the video, they're riding their motorcycles in, and yeah. the cops have a blockade. They blockade And don't let, it. they're trying not to let them through. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> bullshit. And, and they, like, each, they so, each have their own model on the back of their want Yeah, I want to be very clear right here that I uh, don't appreciate you calling them liars, and um, <laughs> I want to state that I believe Manowar one hundred percent. They the shot their videos in Ohio. So, I don't care if it you was know done. What? I'm gonna so say, Ryan, we might. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so this was amazing. So, so, but uh, yes, yes, he always came in. He came in our store. This is like twenty four years ago. No. I got one more Manowar question. True, true metal. Buying? Yeah, he was probably he was buying like stuff you think he would buy, like yeah, okay. Bad Rock and like you know, like Gentle Giant import discs and oh, shit wow. like that. Not, not yeah. New Age. No, no, not yeah. like Joey Belladonna. That lame ass. <laughs> <laughs> <you know? laughs> but yeah, but then he would always be like, "Hey, Ryan, my brother," like you know, and I, we were just like, "Yeah, I got brother and stuff like that." And we would always go see him play. They played at this place called the Lost Horizon that had a strip club attached to the back. Oh my god! And Yay. I was just talking about the Lost Horizon today, like yesterday. So it's kind of weird that I keep talking wow. about this club and. They would play there, and it would. What an amazing even... name for a club, by the way. Oh Lost yeah, I saw. I saw tons of. So would the like music pipe was, like... back to the club, and then people would. No, dance it was to just it? like same. I think oh, the same no. guy owned it, but okay. it was like the same sort of desolate crap, you know, was there. Dear and Lord. so I, I can't remember. It was like called Fantasy Girls or something like that. Did they have but, a um, food venue? No, they oh, didn't. I was hoping. But it was like all these like bikers kind of ran yeah. this this club or whatever. And we'd go there and it wouldn't even be sold out because they were like a local band. But, you know, and then you watch these videos and they're playing in Spain in like an arena. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's yeah. like, holy yeah. shit. Like, you know, like, wow, Man of War's like a real deal. Like, they can't get a parking ticket here. Like, you know. And How like, many times did they have to replace the speakers in that club? Because I know they're prone to blowing them. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was fine. Well, the thing is, those speakers were like huge and massive. Hell and yeah. Was horrible. Like covered in pure. Still, oh. it was like it was like a rock club. Oh, you know? wow! All men play on ten. Oh yeah, no real men play on. <laughs> no ten. all men. It's all, all men. It's all, all men. Brother. Those real men. All, yeah. all men play on ten. Okay. Never, Never gonna, gonna turn, turn down, down again. again. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the best in that, the best in that song is he's like, he's like out talking about like getting a record deal. He's like. You gotta get a sound that's real thin. <laughs> like, like that's what the record producer's yeah. telling him, and he's like, "So I said, hold it right there." You know, it's oh, okay. Wow, they gave me a towel. A pretty, I had a towel oh, for man, a bit. Well, he just bring in stuff. He's like, "Dude, thanks for the discount, man." Like, you know, here that you go. They sell those like forty five dollars too. Like, why is he giving I'd, away a towel for a ten percent discount? All these and then all these generous. VHS tapes. So he kept giving me duplicates. So I was like, "Does anyone want a yes. Manowar Volume Eleven? Yes, yes." Yes, yes, I yes, know yes, three yes, people yes, who yes, do. Yes, yes, yes. And so I had a lot of stuff. And then I remember my parents coming to my apartment once and going in my kitchen because it was my kitchen that was decorated yeah. and all this. It was my kitchen decor. And my dad walks in. He's like, interesting kitchen. And like, it was just because it was like the poster when you first walk in was them around a campfire and like in loincloth. Like oh, a, yeah. yeah. You know, and they're holding swords the and stuff. The Beast Man era. Yeah, the Beast yeah. Man era. So yeah, it was all that. 
This is. Yeah. Uh, I am just ooh, thrilled all right. right now. I yeah. can't even okay, talk okay, about it. Did you ever, did you ever <laughs> listen <laughs> to <laughs> Wenzel Stern and Gerbilstock <laughs> in the Manowar kitchen? Good job, good job, good job. While no, you were cooking. I don't <laughs> think I did, but I do remember, I, I was like, when did I get this? CD and I remember I did buy this with something else at um, not Kim's on St. Mark's it was the place next door and I can't remember the name but anyways I go in and I bought it because all my stuff was in storage at the time Mm -hmm. I was like kind of moving stuff around and I had nothing to listen to so I went over to St. Mark's to buy that I got that and then I got uh, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. That is a great time. <laughs> Together. Yeah. And those combo. are the only two things you listen I wa- to. Well, that was the only two things I wanted to listen to that week because I didn't have much money. And this is what I, and I was Amazing. like, oh, I really wanted this. Oh, and I really want to listen to this Elton John right now. And I don't have it. Like, you know, sure. so I'm like, screw it. And like, so, Absolutely. and so that was my soundtrack because that was all I had. Like, this is like 2001 or something wow. like that. So that's all I had for like two weeks. Like, you wow. know, it was just these two. That's awesome. Wow. Then you know it. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, because I didn't think of it until you mentioned that. I was like, oh man, that was the whole Elton John thing. Like, oh geez, like forgot about that. Like, yeah. So there you go. That's insane. I always thought too, like, especially on comps, one thing I thought, you know, Runs of Sun and Girls, I could always stand out on a comp because it was, so, so for example, the soundtrack for the end of the world of the self-abuse comp, I think that's the one with Runs. It, it's just right in the middle and it's just, yeah, or, yeah it's soundtrack for the end of the world. And, and it is just one of those things where it's like, this is it's this is Ronzel Stern. Like there's it always would stand out. That is so good at editing. Did comp. you ever hear the Ronzel Stern? There was like a tape that was like fifty copies or something like that. Oh yeah, I got that was, uh Yeah, well no, it was like one of those things where we were talking about weird gems that was like not like everyone would talk about this record or the one that had the, the dog, dog shit, shit in it. Like you heard about that constantly. And but there was this tape in like 1990 i think or something it's called like r-e-re-s-h-r or s-c-h-r and it's like a almost like a crude version of like the middle of this and i was like man this and because because i've been going back and listening to all these Mm -hmm. things of the book i was like wow these are like these kind of weird raw blueprints and it's almost like kind of i don't want to say better but it's like i don't know it's really fantastic and no one heard it because there's like 30 of them or whatever and these were mass mass produced to an extent but like you do know, you know how many copies of this I, think it's a th- I mean i think it's a thousand i mean Probably i think it's yeah i mean you know i think like when you just make a thousand cds well, and stick actually, air in all of them yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know oh you haven't asked him but you got i want to know it, what kind Dan, of hair it is or, or what kind of hair and did daniel is it or is it rudolph human? uh i would guess i would assume it would be daniel did it put the hair in tape the hair in all of them? yeah i think it was yeah, yeah yeah put it to work is there anything you're still looking for that you can't um source for your book um, I mean, there are these early Dave Phillips tapes, you know, those like numbered ones, which mm-hmm. there are pieces of them. That's on what it that. says. It says one in three. three. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, there's like certain like, uh, you know, like there's Schimpfluck things that are like 10 copies made and I'm probably never going to yeah, They went to the band and get maybe those. a couple other people or something. Yeah. And well, Rudolph said he had made like one or two tapes that were before wash your brains in 86 that he tried getting that store that he was going to, to carry that were like, and he specifically remembers what 
the music was and he said he still has the recordings and everything where he one was like he put a contact mic on a window and then he would just tap on the window like he was tapping things <laughs> on a window and all stuff and he's like yeah i'd make like he goes i was gonna make a bunch but i you know was only doing them and then i'd bring them in and no one wanted them so i just stopped making them oh, because there was like oh, wow. seven or whatever eight and he's like yeah i got them i got like something here but he's like i tried bringing them in and then they were like yeah no one wants this like you know and so and you're so, gonna do a cd with the book is yeah, yeah. Well, i was like can i hear i go do you still have these recordings he's like yeah he's like i totally have them and i forgot what the other recording was i remember the window tapping <laughs> i'm so glad they survived the yeah move. that's wonderful and that he remembered yeah. all of it and oh, it was so like cool. 86 or something it, that, you know. is rudolph can he remember is he the kind of guy that can remember a lot of details from all the records or is it yeah he yeah okay yeah, yeah. like like i'm the kind of guy that cannot remember no. what i did like last, last week, week. Yeah. exactly andy bolus remember andy bolus could remember I, yeah he could yeah. remember a tape from 93 like what he used and it was the, great yeah and so rudolph is, is like that he can yeah he can recall yeah he's very he's got a very clear mind and um yeah the and what we were saying before like in interviews you would be surprised how candid he is yeah and totally. stuff and like how uh uh, voluntarily he is with information and stuff because he's certainly an intimidating character and stuff, but you realize he's not like, it's just your, that's your issue. Like, you know, of the intimidation and that he's not, you just need to know how to communicate with him and stuff. So once you, broach that and it's like yeah it's like an open book and he does remember like an amazing amount of information you just need to find out how to ask him about it and like releases like this just seem like he would be an open book because to me like everything that is experienced on here is so intimate Mm -hmm. you know i mean whether or not it is an argument or it's sensual whatever you want to think like it's it's exposing yourself exposing your emotions and like purging them publicly which mm-hmm. is is just wild. it's it's the it's being vulnerable yeah and i i always felt that and this goes for everyone in chip group but especially rudolph ever was i always felt that a lot of people when they would write about him or talk about him or whatever it kind of got on a real like base level bro kind of thing like it's so extreme like you were saying about mm-hmm. the stickers on like guys rip your and i was just like oh it's so it just seemed to really devalue it and like i was like come on there is like a wellspring of things here and we need to and maybe you just haven't dealt with it or whatever maybe maybe you truly don't get it like you know but these people are like it's the most extreme thing ever i'm like "Mm, not really and i really think you're missing the mark here so that's when i'm like the only documentations is there's two or three good interviews that are really brief and a bunch of random blogs going, it's sick. Like, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I got to write a book about this. Like, you know, set the record straight. Like, Heck at least yeah. quote that, you know, like. We make it through the uh, the mess of burps and horns. horns. And some there's some, like, metal, more of the tortured voice, uh, crying, scraping strings. And then we get to girl's neck and saw blade i think is what the performance is for girl's neck yeah. and saw blade. girl's neck is one word and that one is that one's really really cut up and ridiculous and weird sounding yeah and you know i don't fully know if the source material from that was like 
from the Rune Storms and Girdlestock stuff directly, but there was this kind of, I don't know if it's like a, it was a side label and it seems like Dave Phillips was a bit more involved in it, but there was only three. And when you said like, is there anything I'm really looking for? Mm-hmm. There's this side label thing that they did in the early nineties. That was like three tapes that seemed to really push it. Like really they went for it. And the artwork is Rudolph um, having sex with a mannequin and stuff like that. And I think a lot of this kind of is sourced from either those recordings, that period or that what they were going for there. And yes, that gets extreme. Like, you know, and I've been trying to, we haven't talked about it yet, but there, uh, that is like a bit of a, we need to discuss this over here. And, um, I haven't really, yeah, I'm looking for those, um, to kind of figure it out a little bit more. But, um, when we were kind of getting into this, because there is a lot of the sawing of mannequin heads and things like that. And yeah, there's also uh, what is it for dis disjointed arm and uh or leg and arm prosthetics mm-hmm. something credited on the on the liners which girls neck and saw blade and that would maybe tie directly together yeah um and then there's i wrote in my notes uh breathing punching bag and bigfoot mating call okay which i think was somebody else <laughs> well, said here well, but i didn't oh yes i think but for me the, this this part made me think of Rudolph's martial arts background. He oh, he is a background of martial arts, is that correct? Right. And so I yes. was thinking about I thought you were setting up a joke. There. I, was I was not, not no, ready for no. that. Wow. No, cool. absolutely. And so okay. so that that's what this part made me think of a a kind of martial arts exhibition action. And that's what I was picturing like chops and and hits and grunts from that yes yeah. and that's kind of and that's what i that's where i was going in this to me section. it was a living punching bag you hear the sort of somatic sounds of of flesh being hit or smacked around yeah smacked around meat almost yeah. which i mean i guess people that are just you know pile of meat you know so right. <laughs> it's like this kind of translation of violence and stuff like that so I, you know, is that what's happening? Don't know. Sure, we you we never don't know. know yeah. And do we want to know? Probably not. And so, yeah, no, but like, I never even thought about the martial arts thing. I mean, I, I'm aware of it. And he's mm-hmm. that disciplined martial arts is like yeah. present throughout everything. Even when you see him perform live. Mind and body Dude, totally. discipline. Yeah. There, there's yeah. one performance we watched from mm-hmm. like 2012 that we watched a couple times actually this week where it's just, he's just standing very still and he has mm-hmm. something connected to his hands, which I assume is what's making the sound, but then he's just kind of doing these breathing and you can see his body is morphing because throughout the whole performance, he looks, he just looks like he's just ripped and he looks like it's because it, the way he's breathing, the way he's holding his chest and the way he's holding his hands. But then once he like finishes and puts it down, it's like it's he, his body completely transforms. It's like old school, like isometric muscle isolation or mm-hmm. even like. Like tantric breathing. Yeah, it's a really cool performance. Well, he Um, calls it like psycho, psychokinetic or psychophysical, psychophysical tests. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's what the, physical training. And I yeah. think, and and again, you can see that that martial arts element in that, mm. um, and even down to you know his more you know kind of moving into the kind of meditation but, uh, aspect that he's kind of you know kind of currently been. And I definitely about. went into like a a wormhole on about um, the concept of the psychophysical training. Like, does your mind develop separately from your body, and so that you have to focus on them separately as you are training each device. Like I, I know just from reading interviews, it like got me down this entire hole, but I love the, 
the parallelism between uh, psychophysical trainings. Yeah, no, and you, you know, he very much was very specific when he was like, I ended Runestrunts and Girdlestock when I was done. Like, I got yeah. it. He goes, I got it all out of me. Uh, you know, yeah. and he go, and he was, I, I even kind of said to him, I was like, well, you know, it's almost like you wish everyone had that opportunity because mm-hmm. when they don't have that opportunity to purge this kind of stuff out of them, you know, real bad things happen. That's how people become serial killers and things like that. You know, when they can't just let it go, you know, and he goes, yeah, I let it go. He goes, I put me in a mental hospital multiple times. I really got caught up in that whole idea and everything and it became my identity. And mm-hmm. I just had to like, let it go, let it go. And then once it was gone, well, the project's done. Like the project wasn't about music or reunion show, you know, mm-hmm. none of that shit. Like, you know, it was about letting all these things go. And then once he's on the other side, we're done here. Now, where do you go from there? Now it's like rebuilding yourself. And so it's like, you know, yeah, not like, to sound like therapist. Like why this, put like, more yeah. trauma into yourself if you've yeah. already let it out? Yeah. yeah. I think he's one of the most well-adjusted people I've ever communicated with. You know, that's creating that created stuff like this. I love that. I think that's for so the cool. for for that very reason. You when know? when did the project stop? Do you, it's like it's a little after them in two thousands, right? Yeah, like, it was around two thousand. I think between uh, ten and twelve or so. Or like yeah, that. maybe, maybe it might have leaked out a little bit later, like fifteen or something. But past few years, um, it's just Rudolph Ever, and he's very. You you tell he's drawing on his as always, like his immediate surroundings, this kind of ritual sort of things and then controlling your body and using your body as this ultimate performance, like uh vehicle for performance oh, and perfecting that, so you cool. know? So, you know, I don't know what his interests are in like things like yoga or something like that, but um, it's something to discuss with him. But yeah, I love that idea of like your mind moving past your body, but yeah. that's, but that's kind of what I was thinking about when we were talking about Bigfoot is like listening to that. I wasn't <laughs> even thinking about the sounds or the, the physicality of it, I was thinking about it being like, what if this is summoning something? Like, this is going to summon a plague of locusts. I was looking out the window, like, expecting, like, Bigfoot to tap on the glass and be like, I'm here. I heard there's an orgy. Like, yeah. I heard I heard your call. Well, it does, does feel a little horny <laughs> <laughs> around this time. We Maybe due to the breathing and the somatic sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that all kind of happens and resolves before we come to the piece for Piano and Shotgun. Which kind of is the final piece. Yeah, it was just the end of the record. record. I had just written piano and voice uh, while listening to it because that's what it is, is some confusingly played piano and Rudolph's voice. Yeah, but then there's an audience because you hear people laughing. There's an audience. They're laughing, but... some point he just says i have a weapon yeah i have a weapon and then you hear like a, a shell you hear of a shotgun a gun. Yeah. yeah and it falls i think one of the shells falls in the piano it sounds like it had a bit of resonance to it and i, I was, was like, wondering oh, that's if nice. he was actually playing the piano with the shotgun like the like it's open and he's hitting yeah the strings i don't know with it, instead of playing keys but he pulls a trigger and i'm that i kept thinking this is stupid i kept thinking like the gun with the confetti or something like that because you don't hear a shotgun go off yeah right it's a pop yeah you're a pop it does this maybe four times yeah there's like four or five times yeah it's very uh it can only make me think of like a michael nine death squad or something with loaded gun performance stuff and i'm i'm thinking if i saw rudolph with his with his unique haircut and no eyebrows and sort of in performance mode, sort of a, you know, his demeanor, 
with a shotgun, I would I would be scared. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I it's, would be afraid. This, you don't know where this is going to go, and I I'm sure that was you know in yeah. his mind as well. well people are are chuckling at it, like in the in the audience. It might be a nervous laughter of like. What if the next one's not a not a fake yeah. shell or whatever? But what, what was it a performance? Like you know, like were those people were there just people helping with something there? Like was there really sure, were they, an docu- were they like, documenting it? Yeah, they, yeah. You know, so I I don't know. I don't want to know to an extent. Like, were they instructed you know? that they could laugh if they felt? Yeah, it was that like yeah. done on purpose? Mm-hmm. Was like like let's like here's the joke and here's what's happening and that's on purpose you know so and and, but you know even us listening to it together there were points where we laughed and it's like you you have to like the the tension builds so much that like you you don't know what else to do you're just like i I gotta laugh to prove that it's safe you know yeah well i think laughter is a form of purging i think it feels good it feels good and it feel it gets something out and yes sometimes it is this uncomfortable laughter but but the act of of laughing or making that sound, there is a slight purge that gives you a little bit, a little bit of comfort, you know, while you're while that while that laughter is is happening, and, and a are, little bit of balance too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and we're the type to laugh at intense situations, though. Yeah. Which well, again, it's that yeah. idea that I think the the greatest art gives you every feeling from laughter to, you know, you know, like I said before, introspection to. Sh- shocks not necessarily a word but there is something there is something shocking about when some of these cut-ins come in yeah that is part of it no yeah. no question there there's these high you know these the, 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 the high tones are some of the highest tones i think i've ever heard when gray turned it down I mean, and look, you turned it down one and it did nothing then you turned it down 10 and it still I turned was it down like, like 20 from where we were at <laughs> yeah it was still I was too like, that's loud. not doing much like, <laughs> yeah. it was really it was crazy yeah. And but like you said, like the Vienna actionists and stuff like that, it's just like look at like Auto Mule and stuff like that. That stuff was ridiculous at a certain at a certain point and you laugh at it, but there's really nothing to laugh about. It got really horrible, like real quick with him and his work and it ridiculous and absurd. And you laugh at it, but then it's also like this isn't a joke. Like, yeah. but, well, but the only thing you can do is laugh at it. Well, you actually, know? Uh, like, actually, I, that's actually that's what I call laughing with it. Yeah, yeah. laughing yeah. with it. I think is not laughing at. It. I do think there's a there's a uh, distinction between laughing yeah. with and laughing at. And so I think with something like this, I do feel like I'm laughing with exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe not. Maybe he doesn't. But again, I think he's. No, I there's got to be a sense of humor behind. No, no, there's a hundred percent. He said, was, and he says yeah. it in interviews. He says, you know, being deadly serious is, you know, one of the funniest things you can do. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> but yeah, but wow, what an really unique and wild record. Oh wait, did you what see Rudolph Sternberg or Rudolph saw, play live? Yes, I saw him play in New York. Um, I thought it was great. He credits it as his worst performance ever really i don't you know well it's like well, i don't course, know what he course. had in his yeah, head yeah. you know so but um when, I, when was that uh i played on that bill um it was three four years ago oh cool yeah um and shifluck had played and then dave phillips had played and dave was having really bad back problems at that time he was like in extreme pain i almost uh. had to go to the hospital but he played a fantastic set obviously every time i've seen every time i've seen any of them it's been it's been fantastic Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think any of them are really capable of doing anything subpar but i'm not them like you know i don't know what they intend on doing in a live performance but yes i i've been fortunate enough to see rudolph plays rudolph ever and yeah it was very ritualistic he said he was trying to do something kind of new 
and it just wasn't working out the way he wanted it to work out. So um, I thought it was fantastic, though. So, um, but I never saw Rooms Learn Girls Talk play. Yeah, for for uh, Gray and Tara and myself, the we he was scheduled to play uh, a no fun, and mm-hmm. then ended up on. I think it, I want to say it was visa problems, or for whatever reason he he couldn't yeah. make it. Yeah, and he he but he sent a video that was one and that you know that was a it was a very divisive video. There were people were not happy with it. Uh, some people like I would assume, well Tara and I for sure. I'm just I loved it. Yeah, I mean it was, oh, it was incredible, great. and it was part. It was one of the I think what he's called the vomit choir or vomit mm-hmm. something it was it was a vomit performance basically and it was four japanese women vomiting uh when he was kind of behind them different through. colors or milk or yeah again, I'll, it's a bit of a distant memory because yeah. it was like i mean coming up on 15 years ago yeah. but but there they was like four japanese uh women and they were like putting their like fist on their throat and they were puking into buckets. And, but the main thing was, I mean, it was through the PA cranked. So, I mean, yeah. it was, and it was unedited, you know, on, on, um, affected. On, on, so it was yeah. just the sound it of was them throwing up yeah. into the thing. And it was like, I mean, it was incredible. And of course, something like that is going to divide people. Yeah. Which people, people were very angry about that. People sensitive to it. But yeah. I think that, you know, I think that's what Rudolph and Schimpflug has done their entire time is there's going to be that. There are yeah. going to be people who, because even the, even the spaghetti performance, it almost seems like, I can't really tell. I'd love to hear the background on it when the book comes out, but it almost feels like they were almost like opening for like a band. Cause I, there's like amps and stuff on stage where it's like, I wonder if the audience was unaware of what they're about to see. And then oh. if it was like. A band. I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but in my mind, I was like, oh, what if they're opening for like a band and then <laughs> that's the, not the audience Marshall is getting stack. super pissed <laughs> off, you know? Uh, but I think it is something, you know, n- not that they're go for like a reactionary thing, but there is going to be inherently uh, feelings, strong feelings about what they do, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. And well, I always wondered, similar to the spaghetti thing was, because there's this undercurrent of like domestic thing kind of things mm-hmm. that they do. And like it was when him and Joe Klons did the where they were eating dinner and Pan put out the record of that. Oh, right. Which right, is like, right. I wonder what like some hyper fashion techno kid. Oh, this is a Pan record I don't have. And then it's just <laughs> the sound of a mic'd dinner table. My it's my favorite pan release. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I love the label, but that record, I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. you nailed it, like perfect. And um, yeah, it's just like, what do they think of this? Yeah. You know, I'm sure some of them get it, but I'm sure a lot don't. You know, sure. um, but that's we always say it's not for everybody. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's it's for the people and. That- and, and there's nothing wrong for people being uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, why not? What's wrong with, fine. Or not what's wrong with being uncomfortable? Like, yeah. what's wrong with putting yourself in an uncomfortable position? <laughs> yeah. it's, there's something, there's always something to be gained from that. And it's odd that the, the amount of people I've spoken to in the art world about, you know, transgressive art or performance, and I've never heard of them. They're just like, and these are people that are like, written books on it like yeah. experts and it's completely undocumented like because they framed it to musicians and it's strange because there's plenty of people that framed it art to musicians and like are documented in these anthologies and books and mm-hmm. academics writing about it and i've reached out to a number of academics um and they're just like i have no idea what you're talking about like you know and i have to send them all like i have to school them and they're like almost like a lo- some people are a little too proud to be like this was under my radar, but then some mm-hmm. people were like, wow, how did I not know about this? Like, and this was happening on their doorstep, you know? And wow. so it's in their wheelhouse. So hopefully that will 
though that world will be like, ah, yeah, there was this thing. I'm sure plenty of them will be like, oh, I always knew about it, you know, like, <laughs> but um, I, I hope that a lot of people will get, you know, find out about them because I feel like a lot of audiences that would really maybe be able to figure this out a bit more don't even know it exists. Well, and I, and I think a lot of the stuff we talk about on this podcast is beyond, you know, stuff like Runzelson and Gurgle stuff, stuff like Condom. I mean, the haters, GX, you know, and, and, and even, you know, Angelie. Angelie. Yeah. And then even, you know, even, you know, stuff still happening, stuff, you know, stuff that like, you know, Dom and Prince doing in hospital are doing are, they're more, it's more than music. It's more than putting on a record and jamming with your, with your buddies. This it's is more I, than the business. Th- and this yeah. is, you know, we put, a, we put on this record and jammed it with our friends today, but that yeah. was, it was, <laughs> special I mean? occasion. It was very, but I mean, but that was, it was something, the exception. So, it was, but yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is it's something so different mm-hmm. than putting on, you know, a music album, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I think this stuff is very, there. Yes. The art world generally kind of, I don't know. There, there is this weird kind of disconnect. Whereas in our minds, it's like, no, this is yeah. the most exciting, the most, this stuff hits in, in a, in a way that so much yeah, you know, quote unquote art can't. They're yeah. not without concept and ideas and it, it encompasses many different ways of experiencing it through emotionally, visually and sonically. Yeah, I mean, there's everything that Rudolph does is 100% intentional. There is no just kind of like, he's one person I can honestly say never phones it in. Like, it is right, 100%. Right. Yeah. Everything is done with purpose, reason, thought, and intention. So love that. that's that's another reason why I gravitated towards it. I'm like, wow, genuine art and genuine music. Like, I can, I, I get this. Like, I understand it. Heck yeah. Well, man, what a... What an experience. Day. What a heavy day. Really I am was. so excited uh, for the book. Going to read I, this book. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. excited too. <laughs> yeah. So obviously everyone, you know, it's going to be a minute. Books take, you know, they take, uh, like you yeah. said, you were hoping maybe they probably take triple the amount of time that in your head it's going to take. Yeah. I, you I know, mean, like, I, I work on it almost every day yeah. like, wow. for a couple hours, whether it's going through notes or, or writing or whatever. And then, I, you know, I'm doing interviews and then. One interview leads to like, oh, I got to now go back and ask this person about this other thing that I had no clue about. And who's this person? Like, you know, they came out mm-hmm. of the woodwork and and stuff. And um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to have a, a final manuscript done in like at least the next 10 to 11 months. And then then it's collecting photos and all, all that kind of stuff. And then um, we'll let the publisher handle the layout and all that kind of stuff. Well, in the style of Rudolph, let's all hold our breath until the book comes out. So for, for about... <laughs> You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise. <laughs>